1: What
0: is going to change? Welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig.
1: My name is Andrew.
0: And we are going to make this podcast happen whether or not it wants to. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, would you like to rattle off the myriad of of obstacles to this
1: podcast? First, Craig's microphone wouldn't work, and then his headset microphone wouldn't work with his desktop. And Mm -hmm. then he couldn't get it to work with his laptop, but then he did. And then there was lag, and so we switched from Google to Apple, and there's still lag. And then, you know, by then we've been doing it for twenty minutes, and we said, "Let's just let's just do it."
0: So you were getting a real punchy, punchy podcast. Is basically, yeah. I can't After all all that behind
1: the scenes turmoil.
0: I can't guarantee that the that the audio quality is as good as it normally is. In fact, I can guarantee that it's not. Um, <laughs> but we're going to do a show anyway because Andrew's getting married and it means that we need to record it before he leaves to get married.
1: By the time you are listening to this, I will have been married for nigh upon 2 days. What will be different about your life? Well, I'll be married. What, what? I'll get to I'll get to say wife instead of fiance. Okay. That's you know what's going to really suck? You know what's going to suck about it? Mm-hmm. Is that I can no longer use the wedding as like an excuse to do or not do anything. <laughs> I think that's why people have kids. Yeah, right? I mean, the baby excuse is the only one that trumps the wedding excuse. But I mean, just today, I think I've used the wedding excuse like twice. Once to, once to make people stop emailing me about stuff and once to... Um, to explain away why I couldn't appear on a tech video podcast seven minutes from when I was being contacted about it <laughs> so. yeah
0: there's a there's a whole host of things you don't have to do when you're getting married, and then you don't get to you don't get to say no to those things again until you have a kid.
1: Now to be fair, there's a lot of stuff that I've been doing for the last two weeks that I'm glad I will not have to worry about anymore. Like today I spent an hour trying to learn how to do a mail merge. So oh, I could God. print out place cards for the tables and whatever. And I yeah. think that I saved time over entering everything manually, but it was like a photo finish in the end. <laughs> the the place where I always lose time in
0: mail merges is labels. And let's make a podcast about office complaints because i need to talk about labels
1: (laughs) what (laughs) i mean what are place cards but fancy labels
0: they really that's really all they are that's really all they are
1: labels on nice paper stock
0: so business cards
1: yeah well they they fold they're a little tense
0: are they in this is good right
1: this is good radio this is great radio <laughs>
0: I think all of our charisma went out the door with all the microphones.
1: <laughs> yeah, with every microphone we'd switch to, we lost like 25% of our we like lost gain or something and yeah, we need gain to function. Yep. Yep.
0: All right, so, so hysteri- because Yeah, because <laughs> I will have been married
1: <laughs> because I will have been married for 2 days by the time you're listening to this. We're kind of <laughs> recording like I don't want to say it's a lazy episode, but since we didn't have to read a book ahead of time or do any preparation, it probably is best described as a lazy episode.
0: But we picked something that people enjoyed the last time we did it, and we hope people enjoy this time, and we are going to enjoy it regardless, (laughs) because at this point, (laughs) we better enjoy it or all of this will have been for naught.
1: Yes, we are doing this for us and not you. So we are reading another Choose Your Own Adventure book. This is number 84 in the series. We, uh, The last one we read for episode uh, 78. Yes, episode 78 was like number five in the series. So we're jumping way ahead. But it's still by the same guy, Edward Packard, who is one of the two founder guys of this Choose Your Own Adventure series. Um, we talked a little bit more about the series itself and like how it came about and what its status is now in the last episode. So we're going to, like, if you want to know stuff about that, you're going to have to do some homework and listen to another, like, yeah, another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, we're just going to, we're just going to start reading this book.
0: Yeah, I think it's worth, well, I think it's worth noting that th- it is definitely the same guy. And I think... Feel like just taking a glance at the first page, which we'll get to in a second. He mm-hmm. seems to have pulled
1: less punches this time around. You, Do you know, think how, he was pulling punches when we explored Chimney Rock. Was that...
0: I just feel like he was easing us? We in died his. like six times. We're we're eighty books in at this point. I'm a little, a little one, I'm wondering what's gonna happen to us. He probably got bored. He's got to come up with new ways to. Mess with kids and his books.
1: (laughs) All right, Craig. What is the name of this particular choose your own adventure?
0: You are a monster. (laughs) Sorry, that's that's the name of the book. That's the name of the book. Yes,
1: he was not saying that I am a monster. But you are a monster. All right, so we're going to start off with the warning. Do okay. not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures you may have when you are kidnapped by an evil scientist and transformed into a monster. From time to time as you read along, you will be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. Each adventure you take is the result of your choice. You are responsible because you choose. After you make each choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Think carefully before you make a move. Life as a monster is not easy. Your choices will affect whether you change back into the way you were or remain trapped as a monster forever, or something even worse. Good luck. I feel like he has
0: really boxed us in on this one.
1: (laughs) He is not. We have, like, two choices. We can be a monster forever. Well, we have three. Change back to the way we were, remain a monster forever, or something even worse. Yeah. Three
0: endings. That's it. Also, just something in the second paragraph, you are responsible because you choose, seems Mm -hmm. really like, hey, I'm just going to leave this Jumanji here. If you get stuck in the Jumanji game, it's not Jumanji's fault. You're the one who
1: played it bad. (laughs) He's trying to make, I mean, he's trying to teach kids that actions have consequences and you are responsible for your actions. Also, you are a monster. Also, (laughs) you are a monster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, last time we tried to lay some ground rules, um, which I guess we'll maybe adhere to this time. Like we had, we give ourselves like three mulligans mm-hmm. where we can keep our, keep our fingers in the page and go back. Um, last time that kind of fell apart as we, like we died way faster than I think either of us were expecting to. We all, no, we got out of it really fast, really fast too. Oh yeah, no, that was disappointing. And then we died a whole bunch of times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. so Craig, you want to not know kick we'll us just off go with page in. one yeah, I feel like we'll just kind of bounce around this book until it's not funny anymore. We'll see. <laughs> which
1: hopefully is not already started <laughs> <laughs> Marriage um, so <laughs> mail merge mail
0: merge. uh page one, the blue Mercedes screeches to a stop beside you. Get in. Says someone. It's in quotation marks. All right. The heavyset man wearing a black hornberg, homburg. homburg. I think it's homburg. Or that's know. really bad kerning. Either way. Great. Wearing a black homburg isn't kidding. Before you can run, a man jumps out of the back and shoves you inside. The car speeds off. None of the passing motorists notices. Mm. You've <laughs> <Okay>. been kidnapped. <laughs> Wedged in the back seat between two thugs, you try to think about what you can do. Look, you must think I'm someone else, some rich kid you can get ransom for. Uh, Shut up, we want you. The muzzle of a 45 jabs into your side. This is really dark. Uh, The Mercedes swerves around a corner, headed towards an outlying district. A blindfold pulls tight over your eyes. You were looking curious, a voice says must be about ten minutes later when the car stops and you hear the door opening. Get out. A firm grip is on your arm. When your feet touch the ground, you tear the blindfold off, twist out of the man's grip, and start to run. Clunk. A gun butt comes down on your head. You're out cold. Turn to page Turn 68. Turn to page 68. That's a real big jump for the beginning of the book. Hmm.
1: That's okay.
0: I don't know. that All right. This... Who am I? I'm walking down the street. You are a
1: monster. <laughs> Not yet. Come on. <laughs> Maybe you're a monster on the outside. Maybe you just got done like stomping some puffies and that's like they're making your outside you know match your inside.
0: Ooh, okay. I like that. Yeah. We'll see if that that's the we'll back see if that holds up. It.
1: Okay. Yeah. And as with the last choose-your-own-adventure book, I think the book is making too many choices for us already, but we're going to keep on rolling. All right, we are now on page 68. You wake up in a bed, your head aching. There's a lot of equipment around. Everything is made of shiny stainless steel. You wonder if you were hit by a car on your way home from school, taken to the hospital, and just had a nightmare about being kidnapped. A thin, slightly stooped man with a tightly clipped beard enters your room. Something tells you he is not a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want to know what it is that tells us that.
0: The bloody
1: doctor's jacket maybe? I'm not <laughs> sure. Don't worry about that little bump on your head, he says in a high-pitched nasal tone. You are the perfect subject for our experiment. My name is Dr. Hendrik Nair. Isn't that like hair removal stuff? Nair? Is um, that maybe like that's a... some clever commentary. Great. Maybe it's his Brother who adds hair to everybody.
0: Oh, stop Um, it. Ew, gross. You sit
1: up, feeling even more frightened than when the gunman pulled you into the car. What kind of experiment? What are you talking about? The man steps closer. He fixes his eyes on yours. Have you ever heard of genetic engineering? Genetic transplants? You're too stunned to answer. Well, you're going to learn a lot more since I'm the greatest expert in the field. You'll be my most important patient. Oh, no. You're going to touch me. Oh, no. (laughs) You're out of the bed. No, you're not going to touch me. (laughs) Read that sentence again. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're not going to touch me. (laughs) Yeah, that changes the meaning a whole lot, doesn't it? You're out of the bed looking for a way out, maybe through the window. Turn to page four.
0: Okay. I am appalled that this book just jumped right to genetic engineering, but okay.
1: I'm appalled at a jump from 1 to 68 to 4. Like, can we, could we not have had 2 and 3 be in sequence?
0: No, they're keeping us guessing.
1: All right. And Dr. Nair holds
0: up his hand. His thin mouth lengthens into a smile. It's too late. I've already implanted you with the genes of a young gorilla <laughs> who was himself implanted with the genes of a giant bear. <laughs> what? But now Dr. Nair interrupts in a brisk and businesslike tone. Someone will bring you dinner, some books, and a TV set. I want you to feel relaxed. Okay? Uh, Before you can reply, this strange and terrifying man walks out the door. A lock turns. You run to the window. You're on the second story of a run-down old brick building. The window faces onto a paved inner courtyard. Two cars and a truck are parked below. The building encloses the courtyard except for the entrance where an armed guard is posted. Go to the next page,
1: Andrew. Uh, Page five. There's a bathroom attached to your room. Ooh, fancy. Ooh. You look inside en- on en- sweet. Yeah. <laughs> en- suite. You look inside, but it offers no means of escape. Your heart sinks. It's not going to be easy to get out of this place. Then the real shock comes as you glance at your arms. They seem thicker and longer than you remember, and a downy growth of dark brown hair has appeared on the back of your hands. Ooh, it's downy. It's really soft, I bet. And there's a picture of a hand. That's and it not... looks about it looks about like you'd expect a man, gorilla, bear, hand to look. I think. All right. Yeah, I'd say so. All right. What turn page? to page eighty-one. When are we gonna? When are we gonna make a choice here? I have
0: yet to choose anyone's adventures, let alone yeah, my I'm own. I'm just
1: being drugged through this book, turned into a bear gorilla man.
0: Eighty-one. You said eighty-one. You are so depressed. You just sit <laughs> on the bed and stare at the wall, thinking about the terrible mess you have fallen into. Through the days that follow, your body changes in ways almost too horrible to describe. <laughs> oh, God. This is just puberty. Um, your captors <laughs> it's a bring, metaphor. <laughs> your captors bring you all the food you need, which is a lot because you're always hungry. This the whole time, you're too scared to even look at yourself in the bathroom mirror. Pain. That's the worst of it. You can hear your bones crackling as they grow. Your muscles are growing, too. They ache as they stretch to keep up with your bones especially your arm bones, <laughs> which are lengthening and thickening the most. Your skin is expanding, trying to cover your widening body. I've never thought about skin like that. That's really gross. Yeah, right. Um, sometimes it's stretched so thin you're afraid it will split, but it always seems to cover. If you were just growing up fast into an adult, that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> it's the way you're growing that frightens you. You're becoming much more massive than any human, much broader and thicker and stronger. That's why they boarded up your door with three-inch oak planking. It's also why they stopped feeding you through the door after the first few days and started throwing food in through a hole in the ceiling.
1: Man, are we going to have to remember, like, the stuff about the sentries posted and the three-inch oak Yeah, planking? I go north. There's a right. bear up there. All right. All right, what's in our inventory right now? Page 86. All right. When you look at the thick, coarse hair on your body, you feel like crying, but that's nothing compared to the feeling of two long canine teeth sharpest spikes growing out of your jaw and the massive brows overlapping your face like a ledge on a cliff. Your captors don't talk to you. They don't even show their faces, though you've pleaded with them by shouting when they throw down food or yelling out the window. You even roared like a caged lion. You're strong <laughs> as a lion, too. You can throw your bed around the room with one hand and shake the walls so hard that plaster falls from the ceiling. But the walls hold and so does the door. Turn to page nine. Man, come on.
0: Andrew, I'm just going to give you a heads up. Um, This used copy I purchased Mm -hmm. uh, from the library of Ms. Gordon, according to a Sharpie and an old rubber stamp on the inside cover. (laughs) Uh, is missing pages 83 through 91. So if we end okay. up on those, on those pages, <laughs> you're going to need to handle it, okay?
1: Those pages were too terrible. They had to come out. <laughs> they were censored. All right, page 9. Page 9. Oh, my God, there's a horrible <laughs> illustration on page 8. Yeah, there's a picture of... A monkey, gorilla, man, monster looking into a mirror and being really upset and tearing the door off its hinges. Okay. Every day you keep
0: growing. It's near the end of the first three weeks when you first bump your head while walking into the bathroom. It doesn't hurt. It just knocks a strip of wood off the transom. But it's this fact, bumping your head, that makes you realize you've been been pretending you're still the regular normal kid you were before. Finally, you dare to look at yourself in the full-length mirror on the back of the bathroom door... There you are, or there's part of you, for you have to squat and wiggle from side to side to see all of yourself.
1: The hot new dance move.
0: The the mirror dance, called the squat and wiggle. You let out a (laughs) scream that rattles the windows and echoes through the yard. Your body is as massive and hairy as a gorilla's, but your face is far more frightening. Your black-capped snout is like a grizzly bear's. Your jaws and two sharp, slightly curved fangs remind you of a saber-toothed tiger. And your huge overhanging brow looks that of a hammerhead shark. Uh, okay. Uh, you slap at the bathroom door. It flies off the hinges. The mirror shatters. You roar in agony and rage. There's no doubt what's happened. You are no longer the person you were. You are a monster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now the okay. fun begins, I hope. So let's right, it says, bookmark. Turn to page, wait. Page
0: let's bookmark nine? this page. I feel like we're going to come back okay. to this. Possibly.
1: At this well, no, point, there's no choice on this page. On page 90? Oh, you said bookmark page 90. I thought you meant page 9.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Page 90. Well, well, just nine, know we
0: are monsters now, and you got to take the lead because I don't have page 90. So tell All me right, what happens. don't have, have page
1: 90. <laughs> All right. There's a picture on page 91 of a monster lifting a car. Okay. I see
0: that. Place. I see that image. I All have right, that so image.
1: You have page 91. Yes. All right. How could anyone do this to you, you wonder? What kind of man is Dr. Nair? He is the monster, not you. Get it? If only you could get hold of that evil scientist. Arg! you roar. If you've become a monster, you may as well make the best of it. You smash your shoulder against the heavy door of your bedroom. The wall shudders and shakes. Plaster falls from the ceiling. The oak planks groan and crack. You smash a great fist against the wall and punch right through it. Arrgh. <laughs> You raise a leg and smash the door, and it's supporting timbers into the hall, splitting two-by-four beams as if they were twigs. It's loose, a voice screams. Dr. Nair runs out of a room at the end of the hall. I warned you we couldn't hold it. He yells at the other man, who has already run out of sight. You charge after him. Do you like my monster noise? I do. I love it. I'm conveying the monstrosity. (laughs) All right. Dr. Nair bolts and races down the stairs. You're not far behind. By now you must be stronger than any man on earth, but you're no faster a runner than most. By the time you've reached the courtyard, Dr. Nair and two other men are jumping into a blue Mercedes. The engine starts. You grab the bumper and lift the back of the car off the ground. The engine roars. The car has front wheel drive and goes into motion. You try to get a better grip, but the car races ahead, leaving you clutching the bumper in your claws. You run outside the gate in time to see the Mercedes disappear around the corner. Turn to page 10. Jeez. No choices yet, so we're this not going to bookmark that one. This is like, All right, this page has a choice. This oh, page has a choice.
0: Thank God. Okay.
1: We're going we're gonna to bookmark this one.
0: Another car is traveling fast down the road. Best to keep out of sight for now, you think, ducking behind a thick clump of bushes. Peering through the branches, you, t- you <laughs> see... I thought
1: that said peeing through the branches.
0: Peeing through the branches, you see that the car <laughs> is a police car. So is the one behind it, and the one behind that. They're stopping in front of the house. One car blocks the entrance. Two cops jump out. Each has a hand on his holster, as if ready to draw. It must have been tipped, tipped. They must have been tipped off about Doctor Nair and figured out that he's the one who kidnapped you. Uh, but they showed up too late. If only they'd found out about him three weeks ago, you'd still be the happy, normal kid you were instead of the weird, hulking monster that you are now. <laughs> oh. You hear a cop yelling from inside the courtyard. One of the others pulls his gun. Should you come out of hiding and explain what happened? After all, the cops are on your side. Except that if you show yourself the way you look, one of them might just blow you away. Wow. Jeez. All right. Andrew, would you like to come out of hiding or stay hidden?
1: So the real question here for me is, is man innately good or innately bad? Because if he's innately bad, then these cops are going to gun me down because I am, like, the other, and they don't know anything about me. Uh-huh. But if man's innately good, then they won't make that assumption, and their curiosity will win the day and will be fine.
0: No, but see, I don't know that that is, that. is—I don't think that holds up, because man might be innately good, and he will perceive you as a threat to the goodness of his fellow man— Unless you are walking forward with say a pizza, do you have a pizza in your inventory? I do
1: not see that choice on the bottom of page ten.
0: Well, then I don't. I don't know how this is gonna go. One of the things right. I, I, think, I don't know. I don't know if we okay. can talk.
1: Is um, we all we've talk? been able to do as a monster so far is roar. Hmm. If you recall. Well, I, re- I, re- I mean maybe we just
0: also learned to roar.
1: You might still know how to talk. Big Katy Perry fan, this monster. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think I'm think i going to elect to stay hidden and turn to page 14. Okay. Why don't, why don't you tell me what happens? All right. You stay hidden in the brush while the police search the house. You have nothing better to do, so you practice learning to talk again. See? There you go. Talk. Your mouth has changed so much your tongue feels as if it's tied in knots. The cops seem to be taking forever. You wonder what they thought of the splinters of wood they found upstairs where you smashed, door, you smashed down the door to your room. <laughs> That's t- Finally, they come out, muttering among themselves. They drive off, but you know they'll be keeping a close eye on the place until they find Dr. Nair. Meanwhile, you've got to figure out what to do. You need as much food as three grown men, and you don't have any money. <laughs> Maybe someone would take you in as a pet. You could go home, of course, but your family would be just too broken up to learn that you've turned into a monster. For now, it seems better to have them just think you ran away. You wander along, keeping behind hedges and walls. You're in the richest part of town, and most of the houses are set well back from the road. You have only gone a short way when you have to duck through a hedge to keep from being seen. You almost run into a woman cutting flowers in her garden. Turn to page 54.
0: It's a lot of exposition there. It's pretty well yeah, done, Yeah, they're giving I think.
1: us a lot of information that I don't know that we need.
0: <sighs> okay, here we go. 54? Okay. Yes. All right. No more, no choices. Oh. <laughs> I the woman screams <laughs> louder than you thought anyone could. What, did I just destroy you?
1: No, no, I'm just, just oh, leaning okay. back. Enjoying She's the, t- the word tapestry that Edward Packard is painting.
0: She starts running toward her door, yelling for help every step of the way. A maid opens the door and sees you. She screams even louder than the woman who was cutting flowers. You know the cops will soon be on their way to that house, so you cut through the hedge and lope along the side of the road at a good clip, not even trying to avoid being seen by the cars and trucks passing by. Keep your eyes on where you're running, but you hear the horns honking, brakes screeching, and people yelling out their windows. Uh, You cut down a side street. There aren't many houses here, just woods and fields on one side, and a huge rolling lawn on the other. Scattered here and there around the lawn are enormous trees. Beyond the lawn, perched on a knoll about a 100 yards from the road, is a huge house made of brick and fieldstone. It has six gables, four chimneys, and a red tile roof. Beyond this mansion is more lawn and then thick woods. The people who live here must be really rich. (laughs) Okay? You race across the lawn, keeping well away from the house. You figure that if you get over the rise ahead and reach the woods, you can keep clear of the cops who will be swarming the place where you were first spotted. I think they will be swarming the entire area where you just walked down the street like a Bigfoot who didn't
1: care. Yeah, like, good job, Dumbo. But you think Uh, everyone's going to think you're an elf or something just walking down the road? (laughs) Who's that guy eating cats? Go on. <laughs> Turn to page one hundred one. Still no All choices, right. and this is another page with no choices. Jeez, whiz. All right. As you near the top of the rise, you stop to rest behind a big oak tree. You're out of breath. Strong as you are, you're not in the best physical shape because you've been locked up in that little room and not getting enough exercise. Wait, I'm a monster. Rel- <laughs> you are a monster. Monsters need to exercise too. You're beginning to relax a little when you hear furious barking. Two big German shepherds are running straight at you. Arrgh, you roar. They keep coming. One of them leaps high at your throat. You catch him in midair and cast him aside. The second dog hesitates. You advance, arms over your head, your claws waving over the attacker. Arrgh, the dog lays down, cringing. <laughs> the other comes toward you, whimpering with his tail between his legs. Good dogs, you pat each of them. They wag their tails. So we've made some dog friends. Oh, that makes sense, turn, I guess. Turn turn to page 16. Yeah, maybe we can like control all the beasts of the earth.
0: I don't know. If I had to eat as much as I said I need to eat, I might have eaten those dogs.
1: You just eat those dogs. Maybe that's a choice we get faced with later. There's still not... Oh, jeez.
0: Okay. You continue on over the brow of the rise and across a spacious, sloping lawn, graced with magnificent trees. As you walk past a sprawling copper beech tree, a voice calls down from above, "'I see you, monster!' You try to see who's calling down from the branch and find a girl perhaps 10 or 11 years old. I see you too, you answer. Do you live in that big house? Uh-huh. My name is Amanda Vandergraff, and I like you. Like me? That's amazing. Everyone else hates me. Why would you like me? <laughs> you didn't Keep hurt doing the my... voices. I'm down. You didn't hurt my dogs, Amanda says. So I know you're a nice monster. She jumps down from the tree and lands a few feet away from you. You're nice, but you're ugly. You hang your head. I know. She reaches <laughs> up with her little hand and touches your right paw. I've read all about you in the newspapers. <laughs> you're on all the news programs on TV. The police are looking for you. I know. Why haven't you
1: gone home to your family? How much time has passed?
0: How much time yeah, have like you spend in that you're... tree?
1: You were walking down the street for long enough that you showed up in all the newspapers, like oh, they printed a special edition or something, oh, and you've already you've already been scooped.
0: It says, "Go to the next page." Do you want me to keep right. going, or do you want to take it Andrew
1: um i I will keep going because I've already made a decision, so okay, go ahead. I don't think they could handle it. You reply, knowing their kid is turned into a monster. I see what you mean, says Amanda. Well, you can stay at our house for a few days. We have lots of room and plenty of extra food in the freezers. It's up to you. Your parents wouldn't mind? I think I can talk them into it, Amanda says firmly. You're grateful for Amanda's kindness. At the same time, you're feeling a little homesick. You're not sure what to do. If you decide to accept Amanda's invitation, turn to page 65. If you decide to go home, turn to page 55. This is tough. This is a tough one cuz yeah Amanda has already demonstrated that she's cool with us in a way that our family might not be. Like what yes. what's the protocol? Like what if what happens when you come home and you sit your parents down and you tell them I am a monster? Like do they <laughs> disown you? Like do they support you in your in your decision to become a monster? Is this like how does this work?
0: Maybe they maybe it's not a decision Andrew. Maybe you were a monster all along.
1: Well, in this case, I was not. I was turned into a monster by Dr. Nair. Well, yeah, it was Try not your decision. Up. No.
0: You learned it about yourself, is what I'm saying. Yes.
1: All right. I think it's, what are I going to do? Equally,
0: I think it's equally difficult as when Amanda brings her new date home, and it's you, and you're a
1: monster. But she's like 11. It's, aren't it's not you? A date. Well, I, I guess I don't know how old this kid is. I assume that... The monster thing's a metaphor for puberty, so I'm going to say we're like 13. I'm looking at the kid with the tucked-in polo shirt on the cover of the of the thing, and <laughs> he looks like he could be about 13, right?
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. Right. I want to go to Amanda's house. I want to see what's up in okay. this house.
1: 65.
0: I'm going to turn to page 65.
1: Tell me what's up with Amanda's house.
0: Thank you, Amanda. I'd be grateful if I could stay at your house for a few days, you say. Your new friend leads you up the hill and across a beautiful close-cropped lawn. The German shepherds fall into step behind you as you walk past marble statues, a triple-tier fountain, two clay tennis courts, a row of 12-foot-high lilacs, 12-foot-high <laughs> lilacs, and then onto a secluded grass court in which is set a large swimming pool lined with Italian marble. Tables and chairs are set out under huge umbrellas, but no one's in sight. You continue on past the cabanas and sauna and more fountains and finally reach the Great Brick Mansion that Amanda calls home.
1: Jeez.
0: God, the The 1%, am I right? Yeah, right?
1: (laughs) They're the real monsters. You sure have a
0: nice place here, you say. Amanda smiles at you, then points to the driveway, surfaced with pink tinted pebbles. You gaze admiringly at the... Admiringly. Excuse me. (laughs) You gaze gaze like an admiral at the sleek red Saab 9000 Turbo, the silver Rolls-Royce, and the shiny new bright green Porsche. Daddy's home, Amanda cries happily. Come along, he'll be very excited to meet you. You reach down and touch your paw to Amanda's arm. Wait a minute, don't you think you ought to warn him first? Amanda looks you up and down, mostly up. I get it. Uh, Yes, I see what you mean. Wait in the cabana till I have time to warn my parents and calm them down. We've she turned us into a cabana monster, (laughs) Andrew.
1: We're gonna become party monsters, I think.
0: Okay, turn to page one hundred nine. Find out if you become a party monster.
1: All right. I somehow doubt. I got a bad feeling about this. Really, Um, you have to to hunch over. I know. You have to hunch over to fit in the cabana. There you wait anxiously, wondering whether Amanda's parents will be as friendly as she has been to you. You just hope no one will open the cabana door. You couldn't not be frightening, even if you tried. (laughs) The minutes pass. You begin to wonder whether you should stay in the cabana. For all you know, Amanda's father has called the police by now. Then you hear sounds outside. Come on out. It's Amanda's cheery voice. You throw open the door and blink your eyes in the sunshine. Standing on the terrace are Amanda's parents, the butler, the cook, and the maid. Oh, man. (laughs) Is Colonel Mustard there, too? Like, who are (laughs) all these people? (laughs) You hang your head, sure that they will all scream or worse, call the police. Mrs. Vandergraff throws her hand up and lets forth a little gasp. The maid and the cook grab each other for support. The butler backs up so fast you're afraid he'll fall in the pool. Turn to page 114.
0: Let's keep going. Amanda's father, however, steps forward and holds out his hand. Charles Van the name. Amazed at how nice he is, you gently shake his hand with your paw. You certainly are a monster all right," he says. But Amanda has, convinced, Amanda, Amanda has convinced me you're a good monster, so I'm willing to have you stay here a while as our guest. Amanda introduces you to the others. Hargraves, the butler, <laughs> will show you to your room. I'll, I've named him Hargraves, he hates it. Um, after you've rested a while, perhaps you'll join us for lunch. The room man, i leads you to is a luxurious suite with velvet curtains, Oriental rugs, beautiful paintings on the wall, a TV, VCR, stereo, and a bookcase filled with lots of good books. You can hardly believe your good luck. Man, there's nothing bo- monsters like more than VCRs.
1: Yeah, they like nothing better than jamming out to the (laughs) hi-fi. Oh, my God. Turn to page 58, (laughs) Andrew. Oh, man. I hope we have another choice soon. Okay, the next three weeks are very relaxing. The Vandergraafs couldn't be nicer. The cops have given up searching in the area. You've grown stronger than ever, feasting on everything your monstrous stomach craves. And you've gotten into terrific physical shape, racing the German Shepherds around the grounds. Amanda has even taught you to play tennis. She started out beating you every time, but lately you've been smashing the ball down the line so hard you can't even reach it, much less get it back over the net. Man, you're totally taking advantage of your monster status to beat this little girl attack. <laughs> That's the most monstrous thing of all, I think. <laughs> On the other hand, she still beats you in swimming races in the pool. Your monstrous arms churn up a lot of waves and foam, but they can't move you through the water as well as human arms. Can.
0: They are really driving that home,
1: huh? <laughs> Mrs. Vandergraft has been giving you French lessons Gross <laughs> French monster How do you say monster in French, Craig? Do you remember? Le, le monster <laughs> How do you say I am a monster in French?
0: Je suis le monster I don't know how to say monster
1: <laughs> in French Man, I feel like I'm watching Muzzy right now Je
0: suis le, le <laughs> monstre.
1: Bonjour
0: uh, your, your,
1: strangely, your strangely shaped mouth makes it easier for you to speak French than English. Oh, snap. Yeah. Oh, snap. What a dig yeah, at the French, you French, Edward people. Packard. He just called yeah. all the French monsters. And Leone, the cook, has taught you how to make what she calls monster pie. It's mostly chocolate. Gross. All in all, life couldn't be more pleasant. Still, you're restless. Great as life is, you know you can't stay with the Vandergraths forever. The other members of the family know this, too. And one evening, all of you discuss it at dinner. Turn to page 11. Let's make some choices. Gripping dinner party. Nope. No choice.
0: Okay. I've been thinking about your future, says Mr. Vandergraff. The way I see it, you can never be really happy. Never lead a normal life unless you can be turned back into yourself again. How can that happen, you wonder aloud? Well, for one thing, there's a new unit at Federal Hospital specializing in genetic change.
1: No, the The monster
0: unit. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Oh yeah, the director, Dr. Ferenzi, is practically a genius. He might be able to return you to your normal self, but I have to tell you, it may be risky. If it doesn't work... Mr. Vandergrat's voice trails off, but you don't have to hear his words to know what he was about to say. He's thinking you might end up in an even more monstrous form than you're in now.
1: Or you We're might just die. 89. I don't know why you go right to, like, more monstrous. Uh, Andrew, I don't have this page. you got to read it. All right. Why get Dr. Ferenzi, Amanda inquires. Why not get Dr. Nair? Who would that be, dear, his mother asks, or her mother asks. He's the one who caused all this, Amanda says. If we could catch him, we could make him undo his evil work. Mr. Vandegraaff bites his lower lip and shakes his head ever so slightly. Maybe. Maybe. But how could we trust Dr. Nair to do what we want, Mrs. Vandegraaff asks. Amanda looks fiercely around the table. We'll make him. Mr. Graaf looks at you. Well? All right, Craig, if you agree to go to a Monster Hospital, turn to page 62. If you ask the Vandergraphs to hire detectives to find and capture Dr. Nair, turn to page 67. I think I guess, like how thirsty for vengeance are we?
0: No, I'm I'm thirsty for adventure. I would like to meet someone new. I want All to push right. this so, story forward.
1: So do you mean do you want to go sixty two?
0: Yeah, I want to go to Monster Hospital.
1: Alright, here we go. There's a picture of a monster in the backseat of a car. <laughs> <laughs> Just chilling. You look so happy. Yeah, I know.
0: Mr. Vandegraff makes all the necessary arrangements for you to enter Federal Hospital and be seen confidentially by Dr. Ferenzi. Louis, the chauffeur, drives you in the family's Rolls Royce. Of course, you take up nearly all the back seat and extra floor space, so Amanda, who's come along to keep you company, sits in the front with Louis. The public is very curious to know where you've been since you disappeared after your escape from Dr. Nair's house. Which public? My adoring
1: public? Like, what is this? Yeah, the public knows everything about this story. I mean, I those, guess those, it's those really fast newspaper writers they've got. I mean, I guess really it's good.
0: been it's been like a month and a half, right? Since, yeah.
1: Okay. Isn't this Is the it, point where they they like give you up for dead? Like they just assume that they'll drag the river and find your body eventually, or
0: they throw out all the milk cartons with your face <laughs> on them, and they put away all the dogs, and they never find you. Um, that's really bleak. The genetic yeah. unit of Federal Hospital has been alerted to your impending arrival, and when the, roll, the rolls pulls up in front of the special entrance at the west wing of the hospital, security guards come out to escort you. They have cleared a couple of hallways and are able to lead you to your bedroom without you being observed by anyone other than staff doctors and nurses who have been sworn to secrecy you just settled down in the oversized chair that's been installed in your room when Dr. Frenzy, chief of the unit, enters. He hardly gives you time to get out of your chair as he steps briskly forward, his hand outstretched. Turn to page 69, Andrew.
1: These people are pretty chill with the fact that you are a monster. Yeah, this guy's pretty okay with it. Welcome, he says, as you let him place his small white hand in the grip of your enormous paw. He's a short, lean man with fuzzy reddish brown hair. After polite inquiries about the Vandergrafs and how you've gotten along living with them for the past month, Doctor Frenzy pulls up a, lo- a straight back me- metal hospital chair, flips it around, and sits on it backward, resting his arms on the back. <laughs> it's just so much superfluous detail. Wait, did he just um, sit on? Did he
0: just pull an AC Slater on that chair? Yeah,
1: he's the he's the cool doctor. Oh, God. He wants to put you at ease by being so cool. He'd spent pages telling me about.
0: Amanda's mansion, but he's not going to tell me about whether or not Dr. Frenzy has his collar flipped up or not? Like, come on. (laughs) Come on, Prebby. Let's go.
1: Now let's get down to business, he says. As Mr. Vandergraff told you, there's a chance I may be able to help change your body back into its original self through genetic transplant treatment. I think I know what Dr. Nair's method was, and we should be able to reverse it. But I have to warn you that my work is still in the experimental stage, and I can't guarantee success. That's all right, Doctor, you say. I'm willing to try anything. You must understand, he says, that if I fail, you will not only never return to the normal youngster you were before, you (laughs) may become even more horrible, more monstrous than you are now. So I must ask you, are you sure you want to go through with this experiment? If you say yes, turn to page two. If you say no, turn to page 73.
0: What are you thinking, Andrew? I don't know. This This is you make the choices. So, since I became a monster, I've been able to toss cars around, I'm a Grand Slam tennis player, and I speak French.
1: (laughs) You're a bilingual monster.
0: I'm fairly certain that this is only going to get better for me. The more monsters I become. Yeah.
1: So, do you want to try the experiment and hope that you become even more of a monster? That's kind of what I'm hoping for. All right, so if you say yes, turn to page two. Let's go to page two. I say
0: yes. I want to learn a new language. Let's go.
1: Let's keep a card in this page, though. Let's keep a card in 69.
0: All right. All right. Dr. Ferenzi gives you a sedative, so you hardly feel it when he injects you with his genetic formula. It isn't long before (laughs) before you begin to feel strange sensations. Within a few hours, it's clear what's happening. You're shrinking, and that's good news. The bad news is that you're not getting back the fine young body you once had, instead you're becoming spindly and smaller than you were, and you still have hair all over. What's worse, you're growing a tail, and when you try to talk, you're you can make all you can make are little screechy sounds. You can't help but think about what it is you're becoming, especially when you notice you developed a tremendous craving for bananas.
1: Yeah, I don't think little Billy is very <laughs> smart right here. I think I think. I know what's going on.
0: The hospital staff provides you with everything they think you want even going so far as to install a trapeze in your room. One day while you're hanging by your tail, you hear footsteps coming down the hall. You drop down in your bed just at the moment. Dr. Frenzy, Amanda, and Mr. and Mrs. Vanegraaff walk into your room. You sense they've come because Frenzy has done everything he can do for you and it's time for the next stage in your life to begin.
1: Hooray! Yay, page 96. What's in store? Oh, There's a picture of you as a monkey, of course, sitting on a table, surrounded by the Vander Graffs, who are all looking very pleased with themselves. Okay. Cheek, 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 you say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid my technique didn't work, says Dr. Ferenzi. I'm deeply sorry. At least you don't look like a monster anymore, says Amanda. You're real cute. I'm glad to see you looking so healthy and in your own way normal, says Mrs. Vandergraft. You do look fine and so agile, her husband adds with a smile. Cheek cheek cheek, you respond. But when Dr. Ferenzi looks at you, his face is grave. Now I'm afraid you only have two choices left, he says, the jungle or the zoo. The end. Oh, so we turned into um we turned into a monkey. That's our There's
0: first. no there's no indication of whether or not I can still understand English, though.
1: It's, I mean, it sounds like if you could talk, you would like it. Maybe. I mean, maybe you can still speak French. I don't know, but <laughs> it sounds like right now all you can make are monkey noises.
0: But can I understand them? Because that seems worse than just being a monkey. Being a monkey who can understand people. I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, the, you can still tell. I mean, you could. You're still understanding them, right? We're we're experiencing them all through this monkey monster's consciousness. That's fair. Yeah. All right, you want to go back to page 69? All right, let's go back to 69 and elect not to go through with the, the experiment.
0: All right. Which I'll is
1: read. turning to page 73.
0: All right, here we go. You sit thinking for a moment. It's so awful being a monster. You're willing to try almost anything. But the thought of becoming an even more horrible monster, maybe one, one that can only crawl or can't talk or smells awful or goodness knows what, is too much to contemplate. I don't think I want to take the risk, Doctor, you say. Dr. Frenzy frowns but nods his head. I understand completely. No one can tell you what is the right decision in such a case. Get it? Oh, I decisions. get it. Oh. yeah. Well, I would, I would get it if I'd made more decisions in this book, but... <laughs> What's next for me then, Doctor, you ask, aware that the Vandergraafs can't be expected to keep you as a guest any longer. I've discussed this with everyone, and we all think the best thing for a while would be for you to live on a farm or a lumber camp. What? Where you could get a lot of exercise working, earn your keep, and be in a small, friendly community that's isolated so you won't be bothered by outsiders. You feel depressed on hearing this, but you seem to have no other choice. A few days later, a van comes to pick you up and take you to a lumber camp in British Columbia, Canada. <laughs> Tears run down your monstrous cheeks as you bid farewell to Amanda and her family and set out on your journey, Andrew. Turn Man. to page 37. 37.
1: I think this is how Dexter ended. Oh, no. What is this picture? You're like It's like an angry Paul Bunyan-looking guy <laughs> with a chainsaw. Uh, After a few days at the logging camp, you can see why they wanted you to work here. With your enormous strength, you can throw those huge logs around as if they were pieces of kindling wood. Most of the time, you work at carrying heavy machinery and supplies over rough terrain where even a tractor can't move. Joe, the foreman at the camp, is a nice enough fellow. I don't ask questions about the men working for me, he tells you. I just ask how much work they've done each day. Of course, you're not a man, but I'm going to treat you the same way. (laughs) Joe seems all right. You just got to keep on drilling that I'm a monster into my head. You feel a little better, but not a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's implied by feeling only a little better. Um, Although some people act decently toward you, you aren't able to make friends with anyone. People are just too afraid of you, afraid you'll suddenly act like a monster. And then there's Mike Fenwick. He used to be the leader around this place and doesn't like the fact that you he doesn't like the fact that next to you he looks like a weakling you figure it's just a matter of time before he makes a move against you one day you're cutting down the small trees with chainsaws you're so much stronger than the others you start doing their work too climbing down in a hollow out of sight from the others you notice Fenwick working on a stump I'm having trouble with this he yells over the roar of machines I'll help you you say ambling over as you start cutting something makes you look up just in time to see Fenwick swinging at you with his chainsaw turn to page 108
0: Okay. You dodge out of the way. Grab a huge log and hold it over your head. Fenwick shuts down his chainsaw and runs. He scrambles up a ridge and turns to face you. You haven't moved a step. I missed you this time, but I'll get you, he yells over his shoulder. Sooner or later, I'll get you. He disappears over the ridge, leaving you standing there stunned. For the first time, you've lost all hope that you will ever lead a normal life. The sun has already dropped behind the mountains to the west... Uh, you're suddenly ready to quit. You've done about ten times more work than anyone else today. With a heavy heart, you start back to camp. You're in no hurry to get back, so you follow the footpath that reaches camp by a roundabout way. Just as you reach a bend in the trail, you're startled up by a noise. You're startled by a noise. Startled up. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> a huge male grizzly bear rears up in your path. He lets out a roar that splits your ears. Maybe you interrupted his meal. Maybe he's just ornery. But he clearly doesn't want you to pass. A low growl Warner builds in his throat. He seems ready to attack. A wave of fear sweeps over you. Then you remember, Andrew, you are
1: a monster. <laughs> <laughs> page twenty eight. Page twenty eight. Page twenty eight. Man. Um Arg, you let forth a mighty roar and advance toward your foe. The grizzly roars back and charges. He lunges to bite your neck, but you deflect his head with a single chop of your arm. It would be more than enough to knock a lumberjack flat on his back, but the grizzly isn't even phased. Arrgh! You bring your massive paw down on the bear's neck, but you miss as he ducks and grabs your midsection. He's trying to crush you. Arrgh! Now you're mad. You kick the bear's shins with such force, the animal bellows with pain. Then with one mighty heave, you throw him over your head and hurl him to the ground. The grizzly lies there stunned, then he slowly gets to his feet. He walks up to you, his head bowed in submission, and rubs along your legs like a house cat. Out of the shadows up ahead, two other adult grizzlies and a couple more half-grown cubs appear. They make no move to attack and seem content to follow their leader in his submission. You've not only been accepted by the bears as one of them, but you've been acknowledged as their leader. Go on to the next page.
0: Keep going, Andrew, because I'm in the le- Uh, No, I'll read this so you can make the choice. Yeah. yeah. The, the other bears group and start into the forest. Uh, they travel only a dozen feet, but then stop and look at you. They want you to come with them. They're amazed. You're amazed and happy. None of the humans at the lumber camp have wanted to be your friends, but these bears do. Maybe you should <laughs> go with them. Maybe it would be the best life for you, living like a bear. It's tempting to join the grizzlies. You certainly don't want to stay in this lumber camp anymore, especially with Fenwick out to get you. On the other hand, you're not a bear, after all and you long for human companionship. This is like Harry and the Hendersons. Andrew, <laughs> if you go with the grizzlies, turn to page 103. If you run away by yourself, turn to page 33.
1: So the one ending we've already gotten, we like are basically faced with the inevitability of living secluded from humans, either in a jungle or a zoo. Yes. Um, so do we want to go all grizzly man with these bears? Or do we want to try? We want to chance it and run away by ourselves. Um, like, do know. we want any acceptance from anybody, or are we going to keep trying to live a normal human life?
0: I think this kid wants people, but don't let me cloud your judgment. If you want to be a bear, you you go be a bear, Andrew.
1: I don't know. Would it be bearable?
0: I need you to answer the question. I can't acknowledge what you just said. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to run away by myself Turn to page okay.
0: 33 Okay, tell me what happens
1: No bears You decide not to go with the grizzlies But instead go off by yourself Determined to make it on your own Though you're protected by a growth of shaggy hair You have no desire to endure the bitter cold winters of the interior Knowing the climate is milder along the coast That a smart kid You head west through the wilderness Living on deer, rabbits, and wild berries You have to learn to hunt and move through the forest like any other wild animal. You notice things most people don't. Faint impressions on the grass, broken sticks, a spore that mark... What's a spore? S-P-O-O-R. Can you look that up? I will. That mark the trail of your prey. You sleep whenever you please on a mossy patch, a bed of leaves, or in a hollow under a cliff. It doesn't matter. No animal would dare attack you. Turn to page 40.
0: Spore is literally... Any sign of an animal. It's the track or scent of an animal. Okay. So, what page am I going to? Uh, 40. Okay, so you're basically Grizzly Man now, or Survivor Man, or whatever.
1: Survivor Man, I think. We would have been Grizzly monster. Man if we'd gone with the Grizzlies.
0: Fair enough. Occasionally, you pass another lumber camp or a hunter's cabin. From time to time, you cross a logging road. Finally, you reach a highway. You stand near the edge of the road and watch a big truck roll by. It weaves crazily for a moment, then slows, then speeds up as it rounds the bend. The driver must have seen you. You walk along the road... Or was
1: super drunk.
0: Yeah, just a drunk guy.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, they are in Uh, Canada, right? It's true.
0: That Fenwick guy was not a very nice (laughs) Canadian.
1: No. Canadians are supposed to be nice. He probably was an American who who went up. Yeah, and he was all um, upset. After his, like, presidential candidate loss.
0: And, and his insurance got canceled or something.
1: Yeah, right. Up ahead
0: you hear the sound of machinery. You round the bend and see a crew at work repairing the road. One of the workers looks at you, he yells. The others stare at you, dumbfounded. One man runs toward his truck. He reaches inside and yanks a heavy-gauge shotgun from under the seat. You waste no time slipping into the woods. You trot a bit, dodging through the trees, then scramble up a steep rocky slope. You're safe, but you've been reminded again that most people fear you. It's a general truth, it seems. What people fear, they tend to hate. Oh God. Getting getting heavy here. Choose your yeah. own adventure. You, you continue are a on You continue on for the next few weeks, heading west and living off deer and small game. You try to keep clear of the roads and settlements, but the region is becoming more populated as you get nearer to the coast. Andrew, turn to page thirty five and make a decision,
1: please. Uh, (laughs) one evening you come upon a small cabin. You peer in the window. No one is there. The door isn't locked, so you push it open and walk in. You cast your eyes at the bunks, the kitchen, and the big rocking chair facing a fieldstone fireplace. Seeing this cozy cabin makes you long for human companionship. You wave your paw over the wood stove in the corner. It's still warm. Someone must have been here earlier. Then you notice a newspaper lying on the table. The headline says, Monster sighted near Telegraph Peak. There's a very fuzzy picture of you. A smaller headline is really alarming. Mounties hunt monster. And the people up in Canada are really fast with their newspapers, too. Yeah, man. It's like 15 minutes between sighting and print. Uh, You slump down on a couch that runs along the wall opposite the fireplace. It creaks and groans under your weight. You groan, too, because you've just about given up all hope of getting back to the way you were. You're not a criminal, but you're being hunted like one. It makes you feel like crying. Then the idea of a monster crying makes you laugh. Suddenly, the cabin door opens. Turn to page 71. A
0: tall, lanky man with a few days' growth of beard stands at the entrance. He's wearing a red hunting cap, a plaid flannel shirt, blue jeans, and heavy boots. A rifle is slung across his back. He doesn't double-take on seeing you, but he doesn't scream or run. He just looks a little to one side of you and doesn't move at all. Uh, you're so surprised by him, and by the way he stands there that you're kind of frozen yourself. Then, while you're trying to think of what to say, you notice he's very, very slowly moving a hand toward the strap that's holding his rifle. He's treating you just the way he would a bear. Once he unsnaps the strap, he'll be able to raise that rifle and fire it in about a half a second. Andrew, are you going to lunge to keep him from raising the rifle, or are you going to talk to him?
1: I'm going to try conversation. Let's go to page 41. All right. Make a diplomacy check and roll to page 41. <laughs> don't shoot you cry i'm human the man doesn't reply until he has his rifle unsnapped and leveled at you that ain't what in the papers he says what about that guy finwick up at twin Lakes camp he said you tried to kill him and he had to hold you off with a chainsaw that's a lie he was out to get me he wants to frame me then why did you run away from the camp you bury your great head in your paws i was miserable there You throw up your paws in despair and quick, and then quickly lower them as the man nervously fingers his rifle. Everyone hated and feared me just the way you do. The man rubs his stubby beard for a moment. Look, I don't hate you, but you've got to admit you're frightening. See, that's what everyone thinks. The man lowers his rifle so it's just pointing at the floor near your feet. I'd feel more comfortable, he says, if you just sit over on the bunk in the corner. Then i get some soup going on the stove. I've worked up quite an appetite out hunting. He looks at you curiously. Do you eat regular food? You nod. I'd love some. The hunter gets out some cans from a cupboard and starts opening them. Okay, he says as he works. Maybe we can reach an understanding. Then we'll have some soup. Turn to page 84. I love your Canadian accent. It's it's not a Canadian. It's like a Canadian hillbilly voice.
0: um, You're gonna have to read this page because I don't
1: have it. So oh, you don't have page (laughs) eighty-four. Nope. Watkins is my name. He says Jeb Watkins. Now I've read every. I've read something about you in the papers, even before I met you. I felt some sympathy for you. You see, I've been chased by the law myself over the next two, (laughs) for the last two years, over fifteen states and three countries. What are you in trouble for? You ask. Watkins looks at you for a moment without answering. You guess he didn't like your question. He thinks you're a cop. Way undercover. Monster cop. <clears throat> no, wait. I it doesn't think...
0: say he does it does not say he thinks you're a cop.
1: No, he it doesn't say that. I'm just positing that he must not like your question because he thinks you're a cop. Okay. <laughs> I don't care what you got in trouble for. You seem like a decent man to me, you say. Watkins stirs the soup on the stove while he looks over his shoulder at you. Thanks. I appreciate that. He invites you to sit opposite him. The two of you sit down and polish off the soup. It's not enough to fill you, of course. And on the opposite page is you and Jeb Watkins sitting across, from a, sitting across like a crate from each other. And it looks kind of like Lady and the Tramp with soup. Um, turn to page 44. Okay. Oh
0: You're plan to get up in the night and do you plan to get up in the night and do a little hunting. Otherwise you have to finish off all your host supplies by breakfast time. I'm gonna think about you, Watkins says. It ain't good hiding out from the law all the time. I know. Enough time has gone by so I think I can go back without being caught, and I think you better go back too. I'd like to, but what could I do, you ask? People hate me. <laughs> They fear me and treat me as if I were a monster. Watkins completes your sentence for you. Yeah, well, that's what you are, of course.
1: If only I could... (laughs) All these voices are (laughs) melting into one. You've got, like, the Andre the Giant thing for the monster. If only I
0: could track down Dr. Nair. He's the evil (laughs) scientist that did this to me, you say. He's the only one who can reverse my condition. If you're ever going to get back the way you were, you're going to need money, Watkins says gravely. I agree, but I've got a couple of ideas. My brother-in-law
1: works for that Apalachicola Circus. his <laughs> brother-in-law is a carny for the Apalachicola Circus. They're the second biggest one in America now. They pay you plenty.
0: i always like the circus, you say. It might be more fun to be in the show. Um... Next page. Uh, did you make the ra- the last decision I think I going? made
1: the last choice to talk to him and so, right, don't why mind? don't you hit me with this one my other idea Watkins says is to get a movie contract <laughs> you can make a million and a half you can make a million and a half a year if you're lucky Jeb Watkins has like this deep knowledge <laughs> of how the movie industry works yeah if I'm lucky well what do you think whatever you decide I'll be your agent Just give me 20% of what is paid to you for landing you the job. Watkins is all smiles now. He looks like a little kid who's excited by a new toy. You finish your soup and lay into the stale carrot cake Watkins set out on the table. You're tired of living alone in the wilderness, and you sure could use a million dollars to help get you cured. (laughs) If you decide to join the circus, turn to page 61. If you decide to try and land a movie contract, turn to page 50. Now, I'm not... A doctor but okay watkins does not seem like he has experience being a, a agent of the stars
0: <laughs> no he's probably gonna negotiate some bad deals you're probably gonna end up doing some straight to netflix movies for a couple of years
1: all right well do you want to do you want to see what uh, lies that way or do you want to join the circus we are uh we are at just about an hour now so whatever our next ending is is probably the end of our journey through monstrosity
0: i want to make a movie so be in the movies be in the movies with me jeb watkins i do want to be in the movies (laughs) a movie contract that's (laughs) for me you say I don't think you're making a mistake," Watkins says. "But how do I get there without being seen? Therein lies the problem. If you're going to get a movie contract, you will have to be seen." Yeah. Think.
1: <laughs> no, he's he, this monster guy. He's totally method. He's just in his monster costume all the time. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, that's right. That like, that's is what I smart.
0: Do. Okay. No problem," Watkins replies. "I have Winnebago, borrowed from a friend of mine." I pay a farmer to let me keep it behind his barn. (laughs) For a wanted man, he sure knows
1: a lot of people. He's
0: (laughs) about 10 miles away over the ridge. It's a four-day trip from British Columbia to Hollywood. Once you get there, you have to stay in the Winnebago, which is not even air-conditioned. While Watkins tries to convince a movie producer he has a great monster for the screen. (laughs) It's hard to... I want to see that. I want to read that book. Um, It's hard to get an appointment with these producers, much less get a contract from them, and Watkins is delayed... Even more because he has to disguise himself and get phony identification in case the cops are still looking for him. <laughs> At last, he lines up a meeting between you and the casting director of a movie being made, Swamp Creature on the Loose.
1: You're hired on the
0: spot. The work is easy. All you have to do is walk around the set, roaring every now and then, while the people set off smoke bombs that are supposed to look like mists arising up from the swamp. You get pretty good pay for making the film, but the movie turns out to be a bomb at the box office. Well, Turn to page seventy-two. Who would have guessed
1: that swamp creature on the loose would not be a box office smash?
0: Wait, a, I want to know real quick. Who are they writing those checks to? Whose name's on the
1: check? A monster, monster kid. <laughs> I think a monster. A period monster. Yeah.
0: On Rodeo Drive? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to go catch my check.
1: One, two, three monster place. (laughs) Oh, God. Bring us home, Andrew. Turn to page 72. 72. Not that it matters much. By the time the movie is released, the cops have caught up with Jeb Watkins and with you, too. You're brought in and soon find yourself in the interrogation room at the Los Angeles office of the FBI. What does the FBI have to do with this, you demand of the sandy-haired agent seated across the desk? He's wearing sunglasses, even though you're indoors. It makes you wonder if he's going to shine a bright light in your eyes. We're involved because you're a national menace. You frighten people. But I haven't committed any crime. The agent takes off his shades, blows on them, and then rubs them with a tissue he pulls out of his pocket. He puts the glasses back on before looking at you again. You don't have to have committed a crime, he says. This is going nowhere, you say. I'll stand on my constitutional rights. Dude, you're at the FBI. You don't have constitutional rights anymore. You're also a monster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turn to page 113. The phone
0: rings. This the seems agent. like
1: it's going a bad way.
0: The phone rings. The agent takes the call. It's for you, he says a moment later, but I'll warn you, I'm going to listen in on the other line. The phone calls from Watkins, who's out on bail. <laughs> okay. You've just received, you've just gotten a big new movie deal from France. They're making a new film with a famous classic, Beauty and the Beast. Guess which part they want you for. How much will they pay, you demand. 20 million francs. That's $150,000. I don't think that's what the exchange rate anymore. (laughs) Sounds good to me, you say, glancing at the FBI agent. Sounds good to me, too, the FBI man says. We'll pay your way over there just to get you and Watkins out of the country for a while. arg, you roar appreciatively. You haven't felt so happy in a long time. with a little luck. You're going to enjoy being a monster. The um, end.
1: Man. so okay, that's that's a pretty good ending. We became a monster movie star.: Yeah, Now, I, I mean, you can tell this is like a pre-9/11 book because the fbi the FBI guy is like is all on his case until he has a job, and then the FBI guy is like, well, I mean, if you have other stuff going on, I guess we can let you go. <laughs> like, if this isn't convenient for you, don't let us get in your way.
0: Yeah, just go... If, this, with- if
1: Choose Your Own Adventure is written now, that monster would be in Gitmo for like a decade.
0: <laughs> I don't think... I don't think this is the deal that Roman Polanski got. I think... <laughs> I think if the FBI got oh. him, that, that they would keep him. They They'd would not let him go him make movies
1: for two million francs, which, as we know, is hundred and fifty million dollars.
0: <laughs> I don't know what, um, what, how to get here. I'm leafing through the book. There is definitely a an ending where you end up getting an egot. You are on a really? talk show. Does it say egot? No, but you are on a talk show having sold a book. You're wearing a suit. This is page 18.
1: Are you still a monster in the suit? Yes, you're a monster
0: in the suit. You write a book called My Life is a Monster. (laughs) (laughs) And you make it big in the movies and on stage. In a few years, you earn three Grammys, five Emmys, two Tonys, and a couple
1: of Oscars. Man, like multi-EGOT. I think that's like Yahtzee. Like for every one you get after the first one, it's double points. Oh my god. This book is underwhelming. Maybe we chose I, poorly. Yeah, it's like the problem with the the last one we read was that there were so many choices coming out of so fast. Yes. And so many of them seemed like so inconsequential. Like it's like you walk down the passageway or you walk up the stairs. Like there's no indication what either choice is going to make you do which which is frustrating when they're too dense but i think this one didn't have enough choices it might have been more pleasant to like read to yourself but yeah i think and
0: that's one of the reasons why very early on i decided to go to that girl amanda's house because i thought oh a big house there's going to be lots of places to go inside the house like last time i think Mm -hmm. that's why the kind of spooky house conceit
1: Works really well. You thought it was a spooky year-round. house, wasn't it? It sounded like a big. It sounded like a big big mansion to me. Like, no, I mean, I mean, in
0: general, I meant in general, oh, like, oh, oh, oh. like Chimney Rock. There was a giant house that had a bunch of potential for for spookiness, right? Mm-hmm. This was just a a monster walking from town to town,
1: <laughs> rambling monster man.
0: But what, I don't know. What?
1: Would you read that book? Would, like, would we read that for Overdue, My Life as a Monster?
0: I, well, if it was based on a real monster, then yeah. <laughs> like, if, it, if, if a monster had been in the news for months, and then he wrote a book and was in the movies, I think we would need to read his
1: book. In all cases, I mean, except for the monkey ending, it sounds like he ended up pretty respectable both times. What, the monster? Yeah. Yeah, because in one, he was a movie star, and then the other, he was a successful author and apparently songwriter and yes. script writer, and like, maybe people just adapted his stuff, and that's how he got all those awards, but I don't know how those awards work. Yeah, we didn't really... I guess the
0: worst ending we got was the monkey one, right? We did okay. Yeah. Wait,
1: he got Grammys? Yeah. You cut did a few he records drop, like, yourself. Did he Drop an LP? (laughs) Yes. What does it say? I just imagine, I can't help but imagine that a monster releasing records would just be like Barry White. (laughs) (laughs) Gentleman on the streets, monster in the sheets. Oh, Yeah, it says
0: here, it's very 80s. You appear on all the talk shows and in music videos. You cut a few records of your own. Man. Three Grammys, Andrew. I guess just like a cover of the
1: Monster Mash.
0: Oh, How
1: many Grammys do you have? You're not even a monster. I barely have any. It sucks. (laughs) All right. Can, um, so I don't. I think we're. I think we're done with you are a monster. I think we're good. Yeah, we were monsters, and yeah. I mean, I guess we could as we do a few more of these. And and rest assured, we. I mean, you. We asked for feedback, and you guys said you liked the last one, but that you didn't want us to do it all the time, and that's totally fine. Um, as we do more, like gradually over the coming months, like maybe we can hop around in the chronology of Choose Your Own Adventure and try to, like, track how the series adapted. Yeah. Cause I just feel like yeah,
0: there were too many plot lines in this one that were, like, five pages in a row without any choices. Right. Which is just no fun.
1: Like, if I wanted to read, I would get a regular book. I know. <laughs> I just want to make decisions. <laughs> I want
0: to choose your own adventure book that's nothing but choices until all <laughs> of the ends, until all the endings. Every page is either a choice or an ending.
1: It's as long as the Bible. It's a pretty big. Congratulations. Book. Yeah. You, um, so that thank it? you for listening.
0: For, for whoever's still listening, thank you for listening. Uh, you can tweet the, your suggested monster song title names to us. <laughs> at twitter.com slash pod. Uh, you can also send them to our Facebook t- page, facebook.com slash pod. Uh, you can write them in at uh, overduepod at gmail.com. We got a couple tweets I want to give a shout-out to. Todd gave us a recommendation for the holiday season, uh, and Sean s- said that he found um some oh he's sending us a sexy mummy story um, yes it said it's just a tweet he says dear overdupod never thought it happened to me but when visiting king tut's exhibit king tut's exhibit i found some life elixir and one thing led to another <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's
1: pretty funny yeah i like that i like that a lot i believe i retweeted that one i liked it so much um and then we we had a lot of uh, Facebook likes on our on our episode last week. Uh pe- you guys are really into sexy mummies, I guess. Um so Heather, Albi, Kirsten, Colleen, Susanna, uh, Nata, Nata, Did we decide how to pronounce that nope. one? Uh Tanya, Rachel, Kara, Lee. Uh, thank you all for liking that post because that makes little Facebook notifications pop up to tell me how well our post is doing. Um if you want to support the show you can go to overduepodcast.com which is our internet website um on that internet website we have amazon links to all the books that we have read and are going to read click those books buy books buy other stuff we get a cut of it we use it to spend on books and on site hosting and on the other stuff we need to keep the show going probably a new um, microphone have, maybe we'll see yeah right um And like mail merge lessons, I guess. Yeah. Uh, You can also check out our RSS and iTunes pages if you want to subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe on iTunes, go ahead and write us a review or a rating. Uh, Right now we have 27 ratings and we are at 5 out of 5 stars, which means we continue our triumphant reign as the best podcast there can possibly be. That's correct. Yeah, it's pretty good. So uh, I'm I'm going to be gone for next week's episode. I'm going to be honeymooning, and I'm not going to be checking email. I'm not going to be thinking about any of you jerks at home. I'm not going to be doing any of it. So, Craig, what are you, what are you doing while I am gone?
0: Uh, our buddy Chris is going to come on and be a guest, uh, and he's going to read, uh, I believe, or has already read, uh, The Colorless st- no, wait, Colorless Sucur- Sukuri Tazaki and His Years of pil- Pilgrimage by uh, Haruki Murakami. And I've wanted us to do a Murakami on the show for a while. Um, those books just tend to be so big that it's hard to, to get them read <laughs> in time. Uh, so, Chris is great. Hopefully, it's a good show. If you have any thoughts about to... Murakami's work or questions that uh, can help spur some conversation, that would be much appreciated. Send yeah. those along.
1: Yeah, we. We need to bring in a ringer to help us with this one. It's Um, true. Yeah, I'm looking looking forward to listening to that one from the outside in. Maybe it'll give me some It'll be weird. Yeah, it'll it'll be be weird. All right, everybody. All right, you monsters out there. Um, (laughs) Okay, Lady Gaga, stop it. Let's just get out of here. (laughs) All right, try to be happy. Bye.